What's up, humans? Welcome to the Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Rain. My co-hosts are Tesco and Rip Kinney, and we are all music producers, artists, and producer coaches. This show is where we discuss all things music production and interview amazing creatives about their origins, their process, and whatever else comes up. This week is episode 99, Music Money Explained with Hayden THC. What copyrights are generated when you make a song? What are the royalties you could be collecting? When are these royalties generated? Where do you sign up to collect those royalties? Hayden THC is back on the podcast to answer all these questions and more. Plus, we dive into performance rights organizations, or PROs, mechanical rights, neighboring rights, publishing, and publishing administration. It's an awesome general primer class on how you can collect your music money. The song of the week is one that Hayden recently wrote. It's by Morgan Bosman called Get Away. Just dropped. Go down there in the description for the links to that. And while you're down there, support our sponsors. Dojo TV, that's free producer live stream classes from the producer Dojo Senseis. Tesco's Patreon. Tesco launched a Patreon and you can get access to his private Discord, track feedback, private lessons, and more. The weekly download where you can learn from Armits or Ill Gates in his private weekly group lessons and get access to over 250 more episodes in the archive for just 20 bucks a month. And guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He's the best engineer we know and your first class is free. Hit up thehumanmusicpodcast.com to see what we're about, more episodes, socials, free sound packs, etc. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Hayden THC. Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. What's up, humans? Welcome back to the Human Music Podcast. Woo! Guess what? We got we got our our fastest repeat guest ever. We got Hayden THC back yes, like yes. something. He did and so what, much knowledge. He left, he left so, much, so knowledge. much knowledge that we didn't have time to cover last time, and I'm sure we won't have time to cover it all this time. Last True. time we dove into Hayden's like superhero origin story, backstory, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. This time we're gonna get a little more specific. Yep. We're gonna explain where's your money. <laughs> yes. How for sure. For sure. How is the money generated when you make music? What kind of copyrights are generated? What royalties could you be collecting? How could you be collecting them? You know, I mean, this is going to be a nice primer on all the things you basically need to know. There's, I'm sure, going to be more left over when we're done. Yeah, but, all that stuff that you're <laughs> like, God, I really need to know this, but you still haven't learned? That's yep. what we're here for today. Exactly. So... Hayden, Yo. first off, just like say hi to the people again. What's up? What's up? Yo, thank y'all for having me back. Um, uh, had a great back. time last time. So um, yeah, yeah, dude, for sure, man. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be back. Um, definitely glad to get into this topic. Um, I'm like, I'm super passionate about this stuff, you know, like, um, 
I think for me, you know, I've been doing music professionally uh, 10 years now. And um, there's a lot of, I've been through, <laughs> I've been through a lot of stuff, taking a lot of L's, you know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, had to learn a lot of things the hard way. And so that's why I'm like, <clears throat> just really passionate about, you know, just, especially like, um, you know, independent artists and creators who just have no idea. You know what I'm saying? I just, I see people get taken advantage of in the industry all the time. And again, I, I did, you know, multiple times back in the day and it, it happens so much. And I just, I don't want to see, you know, really dope, talented people just get screwed over. Amen. Just, yeah. So that's why, again, I'm just like, any way I can help people kind of understand this stuff and understand, you know, like, Hey, where does your money come from? Like even just like some of the basics of like how this even works, you know what I'm saying? From like the, the, the monetary perspective. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. It's what, uh, it's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, man. Just, and just, for anybody out there thinking like, oh, well, I'm not even working with anybody. I can't get screwed over. <clears throat> also, you might just be leaving your own money just sitting mm. on the table in a way where it's just sitting there waiting for you to pick it up and you don't know where to go to grab that bag. Facts. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And the thing is, is like you don't want to be like caught slipping if something just, you know, takes off and is successful and you're not ready you know what i'm saying because that that happens too i've seen literally i've seen producers and writers on like grammy nominated albums who don't have their stuff registered properly and aren't even set up with everything and it's like that's you know that's a lot of money that people are leaving on the table it's crazy like the further i've gotten into this and the more i've seen how just how many people really don't know or understand this stuff it's like you know it's like concerning, you know, and, and I think, again, there's there's people who kind of count on you not knowing that. And again, at the end of the day, if, if you're if you're not collecting your money and getting your money, it's just going to go to like Drake, you know, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, true. Because it so, gets redistributed. On that note, for somebody that is in that position where they have no clue, they just heard there is some money floating around in music mm -hmm. and maybe they... Uh, might have just learned today that distro kid isn't even the extent of all that money was kind of like i guess like the demystified spark notes version of like where is this money coming from how can we as artists actually get into this money and like i guess mm -hmm. the explain like i'm five version for somebody that's like just opening yeah. their mind to this for sure so i like to when i start to explain this stuff i kind of like to take like kind of big picture view and then kind of like get down into more specific things. Because if you kind of have a understanding of some of the fundamentals of like how music is even considered and understood on like a copyright legal perspective, kind of helps put things into perspective. Because one thing a lot of people don't realize is that anytime, let's say, hey, I have this song, it is done, I'm about to release it to streaming services, Spotify, all of that. At that point, your music actually has two copyrights associated with it. There's what's called um, the underlying composition, um, which is basically, it's the melody and the lyrics of the song. So let's say 
you know, just hypothetically, you go and play like some open mic. It's just you and like a guitar player. Y'all are just playing this song live. That is, you know, you're singing or rapping the lyrics, guitar players playing the melody. That's the composition. Um, then the second one is the sound recording copyright. That's whenever you take that song and actually like record it. So um, that would be the actual like, you know, physical audio files, you know, back in the day when they used you know, two inch analog tape, that would be the master tape, you mm -hmm. know, that was recorded. So, you know, you can, you can have, you know, it might be easy to think, well, I mean, it's all my songs. So like, why does that matter? But there's sometimes when it does again, like then, since I was saying, if you're playing just live, like you and a guitar player, there's no sound recording, but you're still performing the composition. So you actually can get paid on the composition side for that. But since you're not doing anything with the sound recording, you're not getting any money on the sound recording side. Um, and then there's kind of a way, kind of vice versa. So like cover songs, for instance, um, the example I like to use a lot is pretty well known. It's um, I Will Always Love You, um, very famously sung by Whitney Houston, but Dolly Parton actually first wrote that song and recorded her version of it. So when Whitney Houston recorded her version, she created a new sound recording. So Whitney Houston and her label would own the sound recording copyright of that. But then Dolly Parton still gets paid and still owns the composition because it's still Dolly Parton's song. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. totally. Completely. Yeah. So once you kind of understand that, um, it's kind of a little bit easier to understand, okay, cool, because money gets generated by both of those copyrights and gets collected by different organizations. So whenever, so for instance, like you were saying with the, um, the distro kit example, so the distro kit is going to be a distributor. Um, any money that you get from distro kit, it's only the sound recording copyright period. So if you're just releasing your stuff through distro kit and getting that money, you're literally missing out on an entire copyright worth of money over here, which is quite a lot. <clears throat> now the sound recording Again, it's, it's a little bit more straightforward. So, you know, let's say, okay, yeah, you put it out through DistroKid. DistroKid is going to go to all of those, you know, stores, Spotify, Apple Music, all of that, and get the money for you generated from that the sound recording side. But, um, and again, if you're signed to a label, they, they do the same thing for you. So anytime you hear of an artist that's signed to like a label deal, that label basically is taking ownership of the sound recording over here. So like the composition is still like a separate thing. And I think something that I think artists are a little less used to kind of maybe dealing with or understanding, and it gets a little bit more complicated over here. Um, do I, any, I guess any, any questions so far? Yeah, I, mean, I think a like, good information <laughs> i think a good thing to drop in right here would be before you sign any contract who is the default owner who which which teammates are the default owners of the composition copyright and the sound recording copyright yeah no for sure so um on the composition copyright it's going to be um the songwriters the composers the lyricists 
So um, for instance, um, this Friday, um, I have a song dropping with um, my homegirl Morgan Bosman. Um, it's called Getaway, so be sure to check that out when yeah. it drops on Friday. Um, I'm sure by the time this this um, probably drops everywhere, it'll probably already be out. Yeah, but, that um, can be the song of the week this week. Yeah, sure, absolutely, man. Um, promote it. Yeah, for sure. So I co-wrote that song with her. So for me, so I have part ownership of that composition copyright. Um, however, um, I didn't produce the song. So um, my homie, um, oh, and again, Trap, you know, uh, Smart Boy. Smart hey. Boy produced the song. So um, Friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm, yeah. So um, Smart Boy produced it, and Morgan is the performing artist on it. So they would, by default, own the sound recording copyright. I didn't have anything to do with the recording. I just helped write the song. So I would only have part ownership of the composition copyright over here, whereas Morgan and Smart Boy, they also have part ownership of the composition copyright because they help create some of the lyrics and melodies. But they actually had you know, their hand in creating the sound recording, whereas I didn't. So they would be the part owners of the sound recording copyright over here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes also, you know, engineers as well. Um, that's kind of how it should be. How it ends up being in real life is not always the case. But um, yeah, so basically, if you kind of just break it down of like, okay, who had something to do with which copyright? So like if you had something to do with actually writing the song, composing any lyrics or melodies, guess what? By default you should have ownership of this composition copyright over here. And then same thing, if you had something to do with creating the sound recording and you were part of the recording process, then yeah, you would have part ownership of the sound recording by default over here. And again, once, yeah, go ahead. So then um, why do engineers sometimes not get a a partial ownership of that? Or why do the labels uh, feel like, or, you know, legally contractually get ownership of the sound recording copyright yeah so the, ooh, that's a loaded question <laughs> um, <laughs> to make money <laughs> yes no but at the end of the day for real it's really that um i think a lot of times even a lot of times engineers i don't think you know realize that by default you know they're entitled to some of that um and, and a lot of times i think because I see this from producers and from engineers a lot of times, you know, they will just charge us an upfront flat fee. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily by default exclude them from their rights to that. But what ends up happening when you're dealing with labels is a lot of times labels will basically buy you out of your um, ownership rights. And so, like a work for hire agreement? Pretty much. So like, and especially, especially like you'll see this a lot, like, um, with producers, um, who will get like, you know, what's called like a, like a, um, producer fee or like a master fee. Um, typically that and the contract that goes along with it typically, you know, states that you just assign your ownership of the sound recording rights, like your portion of the sound recording rights in exchange for X amount of money that they pay you. And the same thing, even when they, even when labels sign artists, you know, that's why a lot of times you hear, oh yeah, so-and-so signed like a $2 million deal with Sony. 
what Sony's doing is Sony saying, hey, here's $2 million. We're going to own the rights for your sound recordings for the next X amount of years or X amount of albums or whatever the terms of that contract are. And so basically that means that, you know, the label has the right to release or not release whatever sound recordings they so choose. And that's definitely come back to bite a lot of people in the ass for sure. Cause it's like, again, you could be in a situation like, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with uh, Jojo. She was a pop artist. Well, she still is mm-hmm. a pop artist. And you know, she had those hits when she was like younger, like leave, get out and too little, too late and all that stuff. It was my jams. Um, but I mean, she, she was in this whole thing with black ground records where they were basically preventing her from releasing her third album. And she ended up being in a conflict with them and wasn't able to release sound recordings for like 10 years. Holy shit. Yeah. So do you know, do you know why they were preventing her? Did another um, record label like pay them to not let her release it because it was going to compete with someone else's album? It was it was for a variety of reasons, supposedly over the course of that time. Um, so there, for those of y'all who don't know, Blackground Records is um, the same record label that signed Aaliyah, Genuine, Timbaland, Missy Elliott back in the day. It's owned mm-hmm. by Aaliyah's uncle, um, mm-hmm. Barry Hankersham. And so he... Um, and that's another thing too. Like he doesn't really like believe in like streaming. Like, so he was unwilling to put a lot of, that's why only recently Aaliyah's back catalog has been available on streaming services like in the past year or so. Hmm. Um, hmm. But yeah, so basically it was, it was kind of for a variety of reasons. I think one of the main reasons was that, you know, Jojo was starting also pursuing an acting career and she was able to make, you know, money off of that, that the label wasn't entitled to. And so I think they wanted her to just not do that and just make more albums so the label could make more money off of her. And, you know, she was, all, she while she was doing that, she was also, you know, pursuing acting. And I think they just kind of like, you know, sidelined her for, you know, a variety of reasons one way or the other. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. If, if, if um, I highly recommend y'all research that and check out her story because it's like it's crazy. And again, I've seen that happen to people as well. Like I have a homie of mine. Um, he was um, signed to um, an affiliate of uh, Warner Brothers. Him and his group. Um, there, it's a hip hop group called LA Symphony, and they they um, they recorded this album like Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas produced like a bunch of tracks on there like. Uh, Prince Paul, who produced like De La Soul stuff, like they had Fat Lip from Far Side on there, um, and like um, yeah, the Black Eyed Peas were featured on a song too. Like it was going to be a huge thing, and literally like a month or two before they were about to drop it, um, Warner Brothers got a new CEO and basically went to the affiliate label and was like, "Hey, um, you know, we feel like we're pouring too much money into y'all, so basically we're shutting you down." And you have to pitch us your roster and whoever we like, we'll just keep on Warner Brothers. So basically they kind of, I guess, didn't make the cut and they were shelved. And they literally had to sit in in their lawyer's office for like three days straight, like in order to get out of their deal. And they weren't able to like record music for like three years. And like and they and that album never dropped. 
No, no, no. Yes, like weeks before it's supposed to drop. So it's like, and that's the thing. It's just like, it's, you know, I think when people first sign these deals and they're like, oh, cool, I'm getting like, you know, this much money. That's great. But not understanding the implications that that really has. Which makes this conversation even more important. Because nowadays you can do it yourself. You can you can distribute your own music. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart on how to collect the money as well, you can avoid that situation entirely if you're averse to that side of things. So For sure. And that's the thing too. Like the, the difference between like a label and then somebody like DistroKid is DistroKid doesn't take ownership. They're going to take, you know, again, I mean, even DistroKid specifically, I mean, they just charge, you know, a subscription mm-hmm. fee and then you get to keep everything, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's there's some other, you know, distribution services that charge per release or like charge a percentage, you know what I'm saying? Because um, I know like United Masters does that um, and a couple others. But again, they don't take ownership. You still have the right to release or not release whatever you want. You have that, you have that total freedom. Yeah. Nobody owns you but you in that situation so let's let's jump into that side of things then so you got distro kid which releases your music um let's jump into maybe like how that relates to the sound recording and the composition and and kind of what a mechanical versus performance is in that context and how does this all combine yeah for sure so yeah the sound recording side things are a lot more straightforward it's you know what i'm saying like it's you have your sound recording, you go through either a label or distributor, and um, they create, they um, collect royalties from you, uh, for you, sorry. They collect royalties for you and pay you directly. Again, that's basically just, you know, um, like album sales, digital album sales. Like if you go on iTunes and like buy a single, that money is all sound recording, basically. Um, and then, um, there's interactive streaming versus non-interactive streaming. So interactive streaming gets you sound recording royalties versus non-interactive streaming is on the composition side. So the main difference there is if you can interact with it, like on Spotify, if you go, hey, I'm going to search Hayden THC and hit play on that, that's interactive stream. Everybody go do that, by the way. Yes. Do it. Do it. So yeah, that's an interactive stream. And so um, that money will get collected by DistroKid or whoever and get paid out to you that way. Um, If it's a non-interactive stream, so like Pandora or like Sirius XM, like satellite radio, stuff like that, that gets collected on the composition side. And so that's where things can get a little bit more complicated, kind of like I was saying earlier. So, um, and I think that's a good, because... I'll explain a few things on there and then I'll kind of, because mechanicals are kind of a weird way that the sound recording, the uh, sound recording side and the composition co- side kind of like cross over a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very murky. Yeah. So um, there's like, there's kind of two ways that those two kind of interact with each other. Um, but on the composition side specifically, um, you have what's called um, performance royalties. So um, in order to collect performance royalties or basically money that's exclusively generated on the composition side, um, you're going to need to sign up with something called a performing rights organization. So um, 
here in the US, um, the two main ones are ASCAP and BMI. Um, there's a few more like CSAC and a couple others, but those are like invite only kind of things. But by and large, the majority of people, if you're here in America, um, ASCAP, BMI, if you're in Canada, it's going to be SOCAN. Um, and again, every country has their own um, performing rights organization. So no matter what country you're listening from, you definitely have a performing rights organization in your country or territory. Um, I highly recommend that you go check them out. And um, again, here in the U.S. with um, ASCAP and BMI, you can basically just pay a fee and you're signed up. Um, a couple other places like internationally may require like a certain number of compositions or a certain number. I know in SOCAN, like, you know, you at least, um, at least five of your works have to be like, um, with a, at least with a Canadian co-writer, um, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, yeah, performing rights organization is going to collect those performance royalties. So when I say performance royalties, this is where also where I think people can be like, okay, well, you mean like when I perform it live? And the answer is yes. But there's also multiple types of performances. So for instance, um, kind of like what I was saying with um, Pandora or Sirius XM, um, you know, that's a public performance in the form of broadcast. Same thing with terrestrial radio. So you get paid. Um, so let's say your song gets played on the radio, right? Um, if you're signed up with ASCAP or BMI here in the U.S., you get paid royalties every time that song is played. And um, kind of similar thing, like let's say, um, you know, every time it gets played on Pandora or Sirius XM, same thing. It gets, you get paid. Um, or let's say um, somebody at a restaurant um, puts your song on, you know, their whatever restaurant listening playlist and all these people in the restaurant are hearing your awesome song, that also counts as performance. So it's, it's definitely a lot of ways that people overlook that, again, all that is generating you money. And a lot of times people kind of, you know, overlook it. And so um, in order to get those royalties specifically, sign up with ASCAP, sign up with BMI, um, whichever you prefer. Um, I'm signed up with BMI. Personally, I prefer ASCAP. <laughs> and <I'm not> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so there's um, before I was going to delve into the difference between like writer share and publisher share. Is there, do I, I think, I think just question? because we've, we've danced around the, the words a little bit and explained yeah. a bit of the intricacies. How about just like a 30,000 foot view of what is a performance royalty versus a mechanical royalty? Yeah. Like what is this, the difference? So a mechanical royalty is kind of, um, yeah, 30,000 foot view. Um, mechanical royalties are, I think, you know, sometimes people may have heard of them and just may not have an idea or understanding. This is where the sound, the um, composition and the sound recording kind of cross over, which is why it can be kind of confusing. So um, I kind of like to explain it like this. So basically how mechanical royalties came about um, was back in like 
the early 1900s where you had these, um, you know, those little like player pianos that would like have that little roll and it like automatically like plays a song. Mm-hmm. Well, those used to be like hella popping back in the day. And so um, the people who were making these piano rolls, again, they were just taking any song, any composition that already existed and they were just making like hell of these piano rolls and just collecting all the money from it. And so the people who wrote these songs though, were like, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like you can't just take my song and just, you know, you're make, you're reproducing my song mechanically and I'm not getting any money from that. Like that doesn't seem fair. And so then it, you know, went to court and the court was like, you know what? That isn't fair we're going to create something called mechanical royalties. So basically it's saying that, okay, it started out as a mechanical piano roll, but let's fast forward to 2022. Um, Sound recordings, right? Anytime that you hear a song, there's lyrics and melody in that song. You're listening to a sound recording of that song, but it's still that song. Like the song is up intrinsically a part of the sound recording. So in order to kind of say, well, hey, these, you know, shouldn't some somewhere, somewhere on the composition side be compensated for that? That's how it's compensated. So um, it's basically a small piece of the money that's generated from sound recordings that is paid to publishers on the composition side. So when you sign up for ASCAP or BMI, you have to sign up not only as a writer, like as a songwriter, like the legal version of you, but you also have to create a, what's called a publishing entity. Um, the reason is, is first of all, if you don't, you're only collecting half of your performance royalties from ASCAP and BMI. You have a whole other 50% that's you know on the publishing side, so it's important to sign up as both. But also, too, if you want to collect your mechanical royalties, that's only paid to the publisher side. So for a lot of the organizations that you have to sign up and register with, you have to register as a publisher. So if you aren't set up as a publisher already, you can't even collect those mechanical royalties. And um, with streaming, <laughs> um, Sorry, mechanical quick, royalties so get... Do you have to apply twice as a publishing entity, like you said, and then as yourself or like... Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so let's, so for instance, um, I'll just use ASCAP as an example because it's a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so with ASCAP, you know, you go, you sign up as a songwriter, pay the $50. And so me, so me, Hayden, Daniel Coleman, I'll go sign up. I'm with ASCAP as a songwriter, Hayden, Daniel Coleman. You know, I have my own, um, what's called an IPI number, which is like, Think of it as like your social security number as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of how all these different organizations know this songwriter, this particular songwriter, this number right here, this guy wrote this song. Um, and then, yes, you also have to go separately and sign up with ASCAP as a publisher. So I would sign up as Hayden THC Publishing with ASCAP. So then that way I'm getting my performance royalties as me, Hayden Daniel Coleman as a songwriter and Hayden THC Publishing as a publisher. And then I would go as Hayden THC Publishing and sign up with um, the other societies 
um, which I'll get into in just a sec, um, to collect my mechanical royalties. I want to make one more. Yeah, that totally made sense. I want to make one more small clarification. By the way, that piano roll example is like the best way I've heard anyone explain a mechanical royalty because it's always just like, so like, like, but what about this? Like that is like the, a definitive, like it's mechanically reproduced and me played mechanically. That is a mechanical yeah. royalty. So like in today's day and age, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. a mechanical royalty would be like if a device mechanically reproduces it. So if you play the song on your phone yeah. into the world, mm -hmm. that would produce a mechanical royalty. Correct. Good clarification. Cool. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's, it's because the concept and the terminology was created, you know, before the internet and before, you know, streaming or anything before. like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah like over 100 years before type of vibe yeah yeah but um yeah and again i know that can get really murky but that's why again again that's that's literally like how it happened so it's like when you kind of can understand oh it's because literally like this mechanical thing was being reproduced yeah and it was the song on the mechanical thing yeah but it can kind of get really confusing so um and again, it, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I wish this all wasn't this complicated, but this is where we are, you know? Yep. <laughs> and this is why we need you, Hayden. We need you. <laughs> For real. And even, and they, so even with mechanical royalties, things got simplified comparatively. I say <laughs> mm. they're, they're slightly less complicated. How about that? Than they used to be. Sure. Um, so um, this is still the case, but basically, um, there used to be a lot more, um, I guess, um, spread when it comes to how you get your mechanical royalties, meaning that in the U S there's literally like three or four organizations you have to sign up with to get all of your royalties because in Instead of what, because what a lot of what a lot of other countries do is they're like, "Hey, this is the one organization we have. You organization are going to collect all the mechanical royalties for everything and pay them to publishers." There you go. Should be that simple, but because America and because freedom, we have. Like, <laughs> it's basically like, ah, uh, all y'all make your own choices, and that's why things got crazy. So. Um, there is um, basically the first one was um, the Harry Fox Agency. Um, and Harry Fox Agency back in the day before streaming was in control of mechanical royalties for physical album sales. And they still are. So um, anytime that you, let's say if you really just want to go to like Walmart or Target and buy a CD, um, really Harry Fox... To. Yeah. really want to <laughs> if you want I'm to, not you gonna, but I want to actually better example if you go and buy a vinyl record um go. that's a physical album sale so the money the mechanical royalties from that sale of that vinyl record are going to be collected by harry fox agency and paid out to the publishers on that composition 
So how does that work? Does it like in the store when the barcodes rung up, does that like would their point of sale system even track something like that for the music industry and send it? Or is it just like thousand vinyls are pressed, but no, you wouldn't get paid for the thousand up front, right? That would make no sense. So how do they like, how does that work? If you know, Uh, it works slowly. (laughs) Um, Again, like mind you, anytime you get like mechanical royalties or like performance royalties, it's like the royalties you get today are from like months ago. Mm. or like almost a year ago yeah it's like, like a straight year. up so it's like a yeah. year yeah yeah so if it's, it's, it's definitely yeah that's just right. A, you're right that's just domestic like true because um because i think i touched on um run run and i have that publishing deal with with cobalt with that and it's like i mean i'm mm. i'm getting international royalties from like 2019 still <laughs> like, you know like oh, it's like it gets that backed up so um so yeah so basically um so yeah i guess in your example with the physical album sale um so each album itself has what's called a upc so it's a barcode like any product that you buy anywhere has a barcode and there's that that number that's kind of underneath that barcode so that kind of tells like hey it's it's it, again, everything's tracked digitally now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, yes, as soon as that is rung up and sold, you know, you can you can know and tell from that UPC that, hey, you know, this is a sale. And again, it's like, it's not, it's really not, it's a lot more complicated in real life than this, but basically, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and so each then track on that album has what's called an isrc which is Mm -hmm. think of it like a social security number for the sound recording of that song it's Mm. the uh, international sound recording code or something like that isn't it yeah yep i like that social security number for your song that's yeah identity i try to to use that because like everybody i think knows what a social security number is and then it's like you have a bunch for different aspects of the composition or the sound recording you have or you as a songwriter or you as an artist like it's 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 yeah there's a, a lot of numbers a lot of data that gets um yeah that gets uh maintained so i just googled um, so, the international standard recording code ah mm, not a bad guess though yeah and then there's the iswc which is the international standard musical work code Mm-hmm. And that's for the composition. So like if you think of your sound recording having a social security number, that's the ISRC. Your composition also has a social security number and that's the ISWC. And that usually gets assigned to you whenever you register your song with ASCAP or BMI. Mm. And then same thing on the sound recording side, usually like your distributor, um, like DistroKid or whoever will um, assign that to you whenever you upload your song. So, um, okay. So we've, yeah. we've been, in, we've been in the weeds for a second. Let's, yes. uh, for, for anyone that hasn't heard any of these concepts before, I'm sure you're just a little bit lost at this point. And that is okay because it is yeah. very complicated and you might it need is. to listen to this two or three times to understand the intricacies of all this as we go through, but let's jump, let's jump up a couple levels and just kind yeah. of r- recap where we're at. So you have, like, I guess let's, let's go into 
where are all of the different places you can be collecting your money? So we've talked about mm -hmm. DistroKid. You yep. need to register with ASCAP or BMI if you're in the mm -hmm. US with both a publisher and a songwriter account. Yes. So you have those two accounts and DistroKid. Now, mm -hmm. where else do you need to sign up? Okay. So like I, meant, like I just mentioned and was talking about the Harry Fox Agency, Harry Fox Agency is one of those. Um, for your mechanical royalties. Um, there are a couple of others. Um, there is the MLC, and they're new. So it used to be all like the streaming services, like Spotify, Apple Music, all that. They would just go through um, one of these like three organizations. Now most of them are through the MLC. Um, and it's great because... Um, because of the um, uh, Music oh Modernization Act. Yes, thank you. In 2018, I couldn't remember that. I just like blanked MMA. on that. Yes, the music, MMA, yeah, the yeah. Music Modernization Act. The other uh, MMA. Yeah, <laughs> Music Modernization Act in uh, 2018. Um, they actually helped provide a better rate for mechanical royalties. And then the MLC is actually overseen by the U.S. Copyright Board. So it's a lot more like, it's a lot less like, hey, everybody just do whatever. And it's a little bit more like, hey, we need to make this more fair for songwriters. So um, it's definitely an improvement. And um, now the MLC, most streaming services pay out through the MLC. So um, if you go to themlc.com, um, sign up as a publisher, and um, make sure to um, register your works there. They make it pretty easy comparatively, um, I would say, compared to a lot of the other services. Um, so yeah, you want to sign up with Harry Fox, the MLC, and Music Reports. Um, so nowadays, Harry Fox is handling a lot more um, like physical digital album sales. The MLC is handling more um, streaming, but Music Reports handles a lot of um, like tech companies, like app companies that may want to use your music. So for instance, um, TikTok goes through music reports. So anytime that your music, somebody watches a TikTok video with your song on it, and that is mechanically reproduced, music reports pays out your mechanical royalties from TikTok amongst others. Um, so like Peloton, um, I know there's a lot of like karaoke things, but you'll see a lot of like um, tech companies that basically want to, you know, have the right to, you know, use your music on their platform and they'll pay you mechanical royalties. Um, so those are kind of the main three. Um, there's also MediaNet, but um, they collect from very, very few companies and it's re you can't just kind of go and sign up with them. You really have to like... Um, develop a relationship with them. And honestly, um, a lot of um, distributors nowadays are starting to collect on the sound recording side for MediaNet. So there, it's you kind of don't have to go directly through them as much. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just make sure you sign up with Harry Fox Agency, the MLC, and Music Reports. And those, for, those are all for, yeah, mechanical royalties. Mm -hmm. cool. Yep. And then ASCAP and BMI for your performance royalties. And then, you know, DistroKid and... Um, or whoever other, whichever yeah, other like distributor Tool service. Or, 
Mm-hmm, so so what is DistroKid technically paying you on? So DistroKid is paying you on um, the sound recording side for physical and digital album sales and the sound recording side for interactive streams. Now, before the money gets to DistroKid, the mechanical royalty piece is already taken out. So it's not like, it's not like you know, Harry Fox, the MLC are like taking away from your DistroKid money. That, that's already like, once it gets to DistroKid, like it's, that piece has already been taken out because um, all of these places, so DistroKid's going straight to Spotify, right? They're getting the sound recording piece. Um, the MLC is going straight to Spotify. They're getting the mechanical royalty piece. So it's on Spotify to kind of divvy up those out to the different organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of clarify. So I don't want you to think, well, oh, if I sign up with the MLC, am I going to get like less DistroKid money? No, you're not. You're Because um, again, this money's being collected for you. You just got to register and claim it. Or else after a certain amount of time, it'll be redistributed um, amongst the people who are <laughs> collecting and claiming. So like Drake and like Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. So that a certain amount of time, a do, is there like a hard number on that certain amount of time that it sits there before it gets redistributed? Um, it, the mostly it's three years Okay. for the most part. Now there's some, like for instance, um, I know YouTube doesn't at all. Like if you yeah. miss like if you miss out money on YouTube, like that's it, it's gone. So I that also begs the question, say you released a song two years ago. Yeah. And it's got five hundred thousand streams. If you mm-hmm. register it with ASCAP and BMI and Harry Fox and the MLC and music reports today, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you still able to collect all of that money from the past two years? Yes. Almost all of it, yes. Great. Uh-huh. So yeah, no, definitely still do that. And and again, like if 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 this is like, oh, this is older stuff, so it doesn't matter. I mean, you never know. For instance, I had a song that I produced in 2014. It was released in 2017. Um, and suddenly for whatever reason, like last year it started popping off on TikTok. And it's gotten Sick. like it, though it's literally gotten like over like 260 something thousand plays on TikTok. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you just, and again, out of like nowhere. And so, that's awesome. and so that's the thing. It's just like you, that's why I always encourage people to just like go ahead and do it now because that way it's like, you know, you can go, you know, you can be ready for when something just random like that happens and you're, you can monetize that. Totally. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. So I have a another question here. So yes. ASCAP and BMI are mm-hmm. for the United States. Yes. And they're really what uh, those are our only options if you live in the United States, you know, mm-hmm. assuming we're not getting invites to CSAC. Uh, right. How it, because they're only in the United States, mm-hmm. all of the other international re- reporting companies do they all send to ASCAP and we don't have to do any additional work or is there any other piece in there that we need to worry about? No. So basically um, ASCAP and BMI have these things called reciprocal agreements Mm. with um, performing rights organizations in all their countries, which basically it's kind of like 
it's basically this. It's I'll collect your stuff in my country if I if you know wait, hold on. Basically <laughs> we'll, we'll collect each other's stuff and give it to yes, you. In yeah, our in our territory. territory. So basically yeah. it's like let's say Japan for instance. Um or no, let's say Germany, because I know Gemma. Um so Germany's Piero is Gemma, right? So let's say ASCAP is like, hey, my writer's getting plays in Germany. Can you collect this for me? Meanwhile, your German writers are getting plays in the U.S. I will collect those for you, and we will send that information to each other. Years later. Yes. So think of that only like so much more complicated. So in an ideal world, like let's say you're just, you know – Let's say I'm Drake and I want to go completely independent of and want to manage my own publishing, which, oh my gosh, would be a lot. But let's say hypothetically I wanted to do that. Now, because I'm Drake and you know my shit's popping off everywhere, I can go directly to, instead of saying, hey, Gemma, um, just have ASCAP collect your stuff. You can go directly to Gemma and be like, hey, I want, I'm going to collect directly from you for my German plays. Hmm. And then you tell ASCAP, hey, I, don't want, I want you to collect everywhere but Germany. I'm going directly through Gemma. You can do that. And again, that's basically what a lot of publishing companies, like big publishing companies do, is that they have direct relationships with all these places hmm. across the globe. So they're cutting out all of the middlemen. But yeah. realistically, if you're just like an independent, like just an independent, you know, creator, songwriter, whoever, that's like, that's so like, it wouldn't be worth it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's way better. So like, yes, technically, maybe like a little bit, you're getting a little extra ASCAP admin fee on top of what you're collecting, but it's, it's. The, the, the hassle and the amount that, of work that you would have to put in and go through to realistically do that is just, it's, it's, it's not realistic. Yeah. But yes, so to answer your question, yeah, you just have to sign up through ASCAP BMI. They got relationships with PROs all over the world to make sure you're getting your money from every country possible. Yeah. So mm-hmm. speaking, speaking of middlemen, yes. um, I'm sure some people listening have heard of you know, a publishing administrator. Yeah. Um, so could you explain what that is and mm-hmm. for a small independent artist, if it would make sense to go through one and if so, any recommendations? Sure. Um, so yeah, no, there's, there's absolutely, um, a good reason to sign up with a publishing administrator. And what that is basically is saying, um, so for instance, you know, I'm saying as a publisher, you have to be signed up with, you know, ASCAP um, or BMI and with Harry Fox, MLC, Music Reports, like all these places that are collecting all this money from you. What a publishing administrator is going to do is basically going to be like, hey, we'll do all that for you. Just give us a little percentage. All you have to do is just register your song with us once. We'll make sure it's registered everywhere and that you're getting all of your money internationally from all of your um, for all of your works that you have signed up through us. Um, there are benefits to that. So a lot of these places like Harry Fox and music reports and the MLC, they have like a minimum payout threshold. Like a lot of times you have to have like at least 40 or $50 in royalties before they'll actually pay you. Um, so a publishing administrator though, 
they have like a big catalog with everybody who signed up with them. So it's like, let's say, okay, I made $10 from, you know, mechanical royalties. Well, if you're going directly through these places, you're going to have to wait until that accumulates to like 40 or $50 before you get a check versus a publishing administrator can just go ahead and do that because the publishing administrator, their collective catalog is generating like, you know, mm-hmm. thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they can easily divvy that up themselves to your $10 portion. So you don't have to like wait as long. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Also, again, it just saves time. It's like you just register one place rather than like four. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's benefits, but again, at the end of the day, it's like, you're not getting all of your money because the publishing administrator is taking the cut. And a lot of times they charge like an upfront fee. Um, I would also be, so, um, song trust, I would recommend song trust. They're really good. Um, as far as publishing administrators are concerned, they're, they're so big that they have a lot of direct relationships with those international societies themselves. So they're, they themselves have done that work of cutting out that middleman for a lot of countries and territories, basically helping you maximize your royalties. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's also one of those things where, you know, they charge you a hundred bucks and, you know, they take a percentage. So yeah. if you feel like that's worth it, um, then I say go for it. If you were just like, nah, I want to manage it myself, then you can. It just takes a little extra work. Um, one thing I'd just be weary of is there's some, some publishing administrators. I know um, like TuneCore, they're publishing like TuneCore Pro. Um, they have some like clauses in their contract and stuff, which may limit you. So like, um, for TuneCore, they take exclusive rights, um, for sync, which means, um, sync is anytime your music is, um, placed in like film or TV or something like that. So let's say you're approached by somebody is like, Hey, we want your song in our movie. This is going to be perfect for this scene. We're going to pay you X amount and you're going to get your royalties on the back end every time the, the movie is you know, shown in theaters or whatever. Um, if you're signed up with TuneCore, you can't do that because they have exclusive rights to that sort of stuff. So um, I wouldn't recommend them for that reason. Like Basically, they're saying if you want your stuff placed on music and on film and TV, you have to go through us, um, which again – could be cool, but um, I have a friend who works for TuneCore, and they said that like that very rarely do people ever even get placements from that, and it would prevent you from getting your own placement. So just be aware of stuff like that. SongTrust doesn't have anything like that, to the best of my knowledge. Um, so they're a really solid publishing administrator, so I would say go with them. But um, if you do want to go with somebody else, just, again, be aware. There might be some of those little caveats that you just want to be aware of. Yeah. Can you um, explain pub admin just in a nutshell, kind of just the dummy yeah. version? Mm-hmm. What does that so, mean yeah. when people hear that? Yeah. So um, that um, that pub share that I was talking about, when you have to mm-hmm. sign up for ASCAP as a writer and a publisher, basically um, you sign up with SongTrust. They take care of that publishing portion and all of the – you don't even have to sign up with Harry Fox, the MLC, none of that stuff. They'll do all that for mm. you. Okay, okay. So basically they'll collect your – the publishing side of your performance royalties and all of your mechanical royalties. So say say you're already signed up with ASCAP, 
you hadn't mm-hmm. heard of Harry Fox or Music Reports uh, mm-hmm. or the MLC until today, which I think potentially a lot of our listeners will be in this situation. Yeah. Would you recommend going to Song Trust for the sake of simplicity or since you already have, you know, two fifths of that share signed up for, would you just go to the other three? Yeah. Say, say you're a small guy, may, maybe doing like 50 to 100,000 streams a year. Yeah, if you're only doing like 50 to 100,000 streams, um, Sontrust definitely might be a better option just because, again, like it's you'll get paid quicker. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that's just kind of the, the bottom line. Um, the cool thing about Sontrust is that you don't have to register everything with them. So let's say you have something that you know, could potentially be like a smash, you know what I'm saying? Like could go like crazy numbers wise and you don't want them taking that extra percentage. You don't have to register that song with them. Um, you can register that song yourself if you want. Um, but yeah, also, um, if I would also say if you're, if you're like dealing with potentially getting something placed like a label placement, I would, hold off on doing song trust because I got my publishing deal because it was, you know, that song, that run run song was, was placed. And so if I would have signed up with song trust, I wouldn't have been able to get that deal because cobalt does, you know, my ad, my publishing administration and, and then some, they actually, they actively pitch that song like about once a month actually. And wow. so that song is actively getting pitched for like film and TV placements and stuff that can get me more money. So, um, so Cobalt, Cobalt is a, a publishing administrator that you got linked up with because the song was already a hit. It's not someone that like a small independent artist could reach out to, or am I mistaken? Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, they're, they're the largest independent music publisher um, in the world, I believe. Wow. And so, um, yeah, which is dope. Um, which is dope. And again, that's, that's been a great, um, you know, been a great thing for me in my career, but yeah, you can't just song trust. You can literally just go on the website and sign up yeah. because they just do publishing administration. Cobalt is a little bit more like an invite only type of vibe mm. because again, like they're, they don't just do the administration. Like they don't just collect my royalties. They're actively helping trying to make that composition, make more yeah. money. Yeah. Because they and in exchange they have a larger cut, totally. but it's worth it because again, like they're, um, you know, I mean, I've made more money from that song than anything. So. Yeah, I have a um, just quick question here. Yeah. Um. So, is it a a publishing administrator or is it publishing and administration? Because I've always thought of that as like two separate things. But is that the admin, like the person? or the entity that goes does that for you or is there an administrative part to that process does that make sense i think so um and and again um hopefully if um let me know if i answered yeah, your yeah, question yeah. correctly um so basically typically a publishing administrator is like its own like typically there's companies that just do that like song trust they just do publishing administration they don't go out of your way. They don't go out of their way to help you make more money off of your stuff. They're not pitching your songs or anything like that. They're based. They're literally just registering and collecting and taking their cut. 
Um, an actual like publishing company though, they will actually like be pitching your songs to like major artists, um, you know, for film and TV, stuff like that. It's a lot more of like a, you know, because again, in, in exchange, they have a bigger cut. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, and, and again, um, a lot of times too, they will take ownership, sort of like how labels will take ownership of the sound recording copyright. Um, there are publishing companies that will take ownership of the publishing side of the composition. So, um, and again, that just basically a lot of times, you know, they'll give songwriters in advance, just like labels give artists advance, stuff like that. And basically in that situation, the publishing company is like, hey, write as many dope, amazing songs for me as possible. And we're, I'm going to basically, you write the dope, amazing songs. I'm going to do the work to try to make these songs make money. You know, hopefully everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Did that kind of answer your question? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, I was just thinking of the word wrong, I guess. In tech, usually you just like admin. I was thinking of like pub slash admin, like two separate things. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay, okay. Um, But yeah, that also clears it up as far as the company. That's that's dope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's there's one more chunk that we should definitely touch on. You know, we talked about how... um, and mechanical royalty is a small chunk of the recording copyright that is owed to the composers and songwriters. Um, but there's also neighboring rights, which is the opposite yes. of that. Kind of. Yeah. So this is kind of the last little thing, like the last royalty and like the last organization as well to sign up for, to make sure you're collecting everything. So kind of like earlier on, I was saying that there's like two ways that the sound recording and the copyright kind of like crossover. Mechanical royalties was one of those. And the second one, um, kind of like what Luke was saying is, um, neighboring rights. So think about it like this. Um, have you ever been, y'all have been to like, you know, some like big, like arena concerts and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So you know how like you go in like before the show starts and they're playing music like on the loudspeakers as people are like going to sit in? Yeah. So the argument here was, okay, this is a public performance setting and situation. However, there is a sound recording that is being publicly performed. Hmm. Okay, so kind of like the opposite of mechanicals, the sound recording owners were like, well, hey, yes, this is public performance, but our sound recordings are being played. So like, shouldn't we get some money from that when our Mm -hmm. sound recordings are like publicly performed? Yeah, and uh, and unaltered, just the sound recording itself is being reproduced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I would say, think about it in this terms, think of it as like perform. So when I was explaining like how performance royalties, like all the ways that, you know, like radio and stuff like that, think about it kind of the same way because it's, it's performance. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. And so, um, basically this kind of came about in like the sixties. Um, a lot of countries kind of came together for a convention in Rome and they're just like, Hey, we're kind of getting these complaints from these sound recording owners that are saying that, you know, when their sound recordings are being publicly 
performed that they should be paid. And all the countries at that convention were like, sounds great. Let's create neighboring rights. Um, and so, yeah, so basically in a number of countries, anytime your song is publicly or digitally performed, so like on Pandora, Sirius XM, or like the situation I told you where it's like mm. they're you know playing songs on the loudspeakers at the show, um, or even at a restaurant, yeah. or even on the radio. In most, in many countries, um, the performing artist and the sound recording copyright owner will be paid royalties. However, <laughs> in the US, so you know, I was telling about the convention in Rome where they decided all of that. Mm. The U S was notably absent from that. Mm. And <laughs> the U and also too, you know, you have the broadcast industry in the U S are like, um, we're already paying money to ASCAP and BMI. We don't want to have to pay more money, you know, to some other organization. Like we don't want to do that. And so Congress was like, okay. Um, <laughs> and so basically, um, neighboring rights don't really exist in the U S except for digital performance. So they didn't exist at all until the internet came along. And because the, the internet doesn't kind of apply to those same like kind of terrestrial performance and radio rules, mm. um, there, it was kind of like a little workaround. And so um, an organization came into being called Sound Exchange. And um, what Sound Exchange does what is um, collects those neighboring rights royalties for digital performance. So like in that Pandora and, and Sirius XM kind of instances or other internet streaming, um, you get paid as on the sound recording side for like digital performance. So digital performance that again also gets paid on the composition side for you as a songwriter, small piece of that, gets collected by sound exchange and paid to you as a performing artist or sound recording copyright holder. So I know that one's a little tough and that one could be a little even more challenging than mechanical royalties, but it's, I know this, the whole system is just fucking nuts. So <laughs> would you technically uh, also collect your neighboring rights from countries that do actually do that? Yes, correct. Um, cool. And that's something, and Sound Exchange is actively lobbying Congress to try to get those same rules to apply in the U.S. So cool. um, I'm a fan. I'm I'm a fan of Sound Exchange as an organization, um, just because again, like they really are like doing the work to try to you know make things fair for us in America, like they are in many other countries. But yes. Same same thing, kind of like how I was saying, like ASCAP and BMI have those reciprocal agreements. Sound Exchange kind of has a similar similar deal with other organizations that um, collect neighboring rights in the countries that that applies to. Cool. Um, I have a parallel but like tangent kind of question. Sure. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when I was really looking into like just DJing and like playing shows as a DJ. Um, mm -hmm. I believe it might have even been Ill Gates uh, who was talking about like just save all of the songs you play every night in a sheet and you can mm -hmm. submit those and get money. So Correct. you could you could be perform 
would that be a performance then or would that be yeah. a mechanical royalty or both um if it's unaltered technically like if it's unaltered you should in theory get royalties for both but you will absolutely get um public performance so um ascap and bmi both have places so i think um ascap is called ascap on stage and bmi is okay. called bmi live where you basically go in put some basic info put your set list um your basic kind of information about the venue a lot of times um they're really good about having like if it's any sort of like legitimate venue they'll have it like in their system and it'll kind of populate with the information and then basically just tell them like how many people were there and boom royalties Damn, yeah okay and if you um, look at like so, if you look at like a sheet um as you like settle up with a venue you'll often get like a printout of you know oh this is how much money was made on ticket sales and this is how mm -hmm. much you know we took per our agreement with the at the door and this is the split and then somewhere in there we're like and this is much how much we paid to bmi and ascap okay, and okay. So, like yeah Great to know i'm curious how that does that differ belong to you if you play drone tunes Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, how does it differ if you're like a band versus like a DJ, let's say, where the DJ would just spin the recording of the track and the band would be not covering their own tune night to night, but be perform like live performing it? So, okay. Um, in the US, there's not really any difference because if the US had neighboring rights like other countries do, you would get neighboring rights and public performance mm. because the neighboring rights would in be for the sound cases? recording. For the, for the, for the, for the DJ, DJ No, for the, the DJ, band? sorry, my bad. For oh, the okay. DJ set, okay. yeah. For the DJ set, you would get neighboring rights and public performance, whereas with a band, it'd just be public performance. I period. see, I see. Um, but again, unfortunately in the U.S., we don't have neighboring rights the way we're supposed to. So unfortunately for both, it's just public performance mm -hmm. for now. I'm hoping that that will change one day. I think it will. I think if enough people um, kind of, I think, I just think a lot of people don't know. No, like they don't yeah. know about this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So there's not enough people who can really kind of make a big, you know what I'm saying? Big enough kind of fuss about it for Congress to like give as much of a shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, and sound exchange is, is actively all the time lobbying trying to help introduce bills for that i think there's one they have a bill that's being introduced in the house right now um like recently if i'm not mistaken um so again again hopefully that does well but again it's also kind of difficult because there's just not enough not enough people know or give a shit quite frankly for it to be enough of an issue but i think it will i think it will one day where do you find out about little stuff like that about like this bill that's just being you know considered and all this stuff yeah um well i mean i'm signed up with sound exchange and so i get like their email updates mm -hmm. um and so they um they they talk about that in their email updates um there's a couple other good like if you're interested in just general like music business news and stuff like that um music business worldwide is a really good um they're like a really good blog and i subscribe to their newsletter um they send out stuff um almost every day um, they're a pretty solid one. Um, I know. Um, oh, what's the other one? There's another one that um, is it. 
is it digital media news? That might not be 100% right. Um, then um, for like for stuff with like sync, like film and TV, um, Sync Tank is a really good um, S Y N C H Tank. Um, so that, and a lot of times they'll also throw in some good, like other stuff, but yeah, music business worldwide. is like the main one that I, I mean, I read that, I read their update email like every morning and it's, um, talks about various stuff and they're really good too about like international stuff too. Excuse me. But, um, yeah. So yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess just kind of just being generally like tuned in to some of the like some of these organizations and some of the stuff that are like helping make some of these changes and updates um again because again I'm, I'm signed up with all these organizations so anytime that they change stuff or they're doing stuff they'll always send out like a email update so like the mlc will be like hey like we paid out this much mechanical royalties this quarter and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. So I think cool. to close really out, I would love us to just like do that 30,000 foot view again and just like yeah. cliff notes the basic chunks of this just to yeah. just to wrap it up. Yeah, well, yeah what 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 are the the rights like what are what are the, you know, different types of things and then where do you collect the monies for those things? Mhm. Gotcha. So okay. Two copyrights. Sound recording copyright over here. Um, money from that is going to be collected by your label or your distributor. So like DistroKid, somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Composition copyright. Make sure you're signed up as a writer and as a publisher. With the PR. Your, yes. Yes. Performing rights organization. So ASCAP or BMI over here, they're going to collect your performance royalties. And then the two ways that those interact is mechanical royalties. So make sure you're signed up with... Harry Fox Agency, the MLC, and Music Reports. But you don't need that if you have Song Trust, right? Correct. And Music Reports is included in Song Trust. Yes. Okay, sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and then neighboring rights, or now just digital performance royalties, which is going to be Sound Exchange. So that's kind of the general, yeah, great, overarching view. That's that's all. That's all the royalties right there. This has been such wow. a helpful conversation. I'm so <laughs> I'm so glad that we had you on. I'm sure I'm not the only one sitting here or listening to this right now that is thinking that. Um, we appreciate you being on and sharing all this knowledge with us so much. It's so yeah. important, and it's so yeah. rare that you have someone that a knows it front to back like you do, and b is also passionate about it and can explain it yeah. coherently. And so willing to share. Yeah. Like- for real appreciate you no for sure man i mean again it's it you know knowledge is power in my opinion and i 100%. think the, the more that people know and understand this that you know when they get opportunities or deals presented to them they'll understand what they're signing away or what that act, you know what i'm saying totally. so like it's like totally. it kind of is like oh okay so i'm giving up ownership of this for this much money and again if it's worth it to you that's great because there's situations where it is. But then there's other situations where you could be getting totally screwed and you just have no idea. And that's what me personally, I'm just like, I'm not cool with. I'm not cool with. If you're going to make, you know, I think people should be informed and have an understanding of what exactly it is that they're making decisions about when they're signing these contracts. 
Totally. And um, and again, I'm. Um, it's taken me years to learn all this stuff and to get it and trial by error and trial by fire <laughs> um, to, um, you know, to figure all this stuff out. And, um, you know, I'm still learning. I mean, this stuff goes really deep. And so there's still stuff, little stuff that I'm learning about still, but um, I'm always down again. Um, if anybody, you know, y'all or any, any of the listeners, um, if y'all have any questions about any of this stuff, feel free to hit me up. Um, again, you can, all social media, I'm at Hayden THC, H-A-Y-D-E-N-T-H-C. Feel free to shoot me a DM or um, my email is hitmeup at HaydenTHC.com. Um, feel free because, again, like I'm I'm always down to help answer questions or help explain this stuff. And, again, there's there's no way all this stuff it's you're not it's not going to be absorbed like on first listen. This is definitely I would I would recommend, you know, like, you know, bookmarking this one for sure and kind of going back and taking a couple listens just because again it took me a while to really get it and understand and again if anybody has any questions i'm I'm always down amen cool well on that note where can uh the people find you again mm-hmm. we'll uh, do a quick socials drop yes sir yeah um so yeah again i'm at hayden thc uh, everywhere so h-a-y-d-e-n-t-h-c um, I'm on pretty much like every platform. Yes, possible. sir. Some um, good branding practices. Yeah, no, for sure. It makes things so much easier. So I'm not like, um, on Instagram, I'm at underscore Hayden dollar sign five one zero four X two underscores. And on Twitter, I'm at, you know, yo mama's favorite husband. 59 yeah. um no links go type that in yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. but no no it, it makes things so much easier i'm just like yep it's at hayden thc everywhere you can email me um at hit me up at hayden thc.com so great keep it simple straightforward man amen cool. well appreciate yeah. your time as Thanks, always hayden. appreciate Love you, you. Bro. yeah absolutely man thank y'all thank y'all so much for having me and i'm, I'm really glad i'm, I'm hoping you know, I'm hoping everybody listening kind of at least get a little something out of it, maybe that they didn't know before, even if it, a lot of it may have been just like, oh my gosh, that's way too much. It's way beyond me. You know, hopefully there was at least a couple things in here, you know, that helped. Again, I'm just, I'm just trying to just, again, I want, I want everybody to be getting the money that's owed to them and make sure they understand, you know, what what they're dealing with you know when it comes to some of these contracts and agreements and stuff yeah well it's understood and appreciated man for sure sure. doing god's work (laughs) (laughs) well i believe that brings us to luke take it away we say peace and peace among worlds all right humans thank you so much for being here with us make sure to go find us at thehumanmusicpodcast.com we got our socials over there some free sound packs more episodes etc you can support our sponsors if you go down check out the links in the description like dojo tv we can get free producer live stream classes from the producer dojo senseis tesco's patreon tesco launched a new patreon channel where you can get educational content project files behind the scenes footage access to his private discord track feedback and private lessons 
you want to learn more and more and more, you can go to the weekly download where Armits or Ill Gates has private weekly group lessons. And you get access to over 250 more episodes in his archive for just 20 bucks a month. Crazy deal. I've learned so much over there. And finally, guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He's the best engineer we know. And your first class over there is free. All right, that song of the week that is playing behind me is one Hayden THC wrote on. Morgan Bosman's Get Away. Always love what she does. Of course, if you listen to the last episode with Hayden, you'll know that he and her wrote a track and she was featured on it with Kazette called Run Run. That song has streamed over 10 million times already. And, uh, you know, furthermore, just make sure you, like, take some notes on this episode. This is, I think, one of our most important episodes we've already uh, ever done. And, um, you know, like, really definitely go sign up for a PRO as both a writer and as a publisher. Make sure you get your mechanical rights, neighboring rights, and, uh, and everything set up with those societies that were mentioned. Because if you have a song that does some numbers, you'd rather have that already set up so your money just flows right to you just get in the good habit of registering your tracks at these places and uh and make sure that uh that that you get your music money all right humans peace peace among worlds i like it